So, what's life been like where you are? Been meditating on this for the past month or so. Looking back over older episodes, I find the journal-type information throughout my discussions of themes like cities being empty of cars, or kids studying at home instead of in schools, or how we've been rushed into a normal that doesn't seem all that normal at all. Not new, not old, just not normal. As my loyal listeners will already know, I've kept close to a couple of themes over the past several episodes, working from home and learning from home, which for me as an educator tend to overlap. I haven't talked all that much, though, about what my life is like when I am not at home. Admittedly, I am at home more than I am not at home. On so-called weekdays, I am away from home from 8.30 in the morning until 1.30 in the afternoon. That's five hours, meaning that I am home the other 19. On so-called weekends, Saturday and Sunday that is, I am home 24 hours a day. At home, by the way, includes taking the dog for a walk or making short excursions to the reservoir or nearby walking paths. So, 25 hours a week I am away from home, and 148 hours a week at home. That means I spend 15% of my week away from home, and 85% at home. The majority of the time I spend away from home is spent doing one of two things, driving to my workplace and sitting at my desk at that workplace. Of the five hours each day, one hour is spent in the car and the other four at the computer. That means 5 hours a week commuting and 20 hours a week working, 20% and 80% respectively. This has been the routine since I returned to work sometime in the middle of June. I think I've been grocery shopping, uh, wait, I can check, yes, exactly 8 times. I've been to the dollar shop, we call them chinos here because they are all run by Chinese people, once. I've sat in the car while my mate took the dog to see the vet once. I've been to the doctor for a routine checkup and to the pharmacy exactly twice. Work has had me at the solicitor's twice and another twice in which I drove there and parked while my mate went to pick up the documents I was expecting. After being at home from mid-March until mid-June, I was not at all aware of how things had changed in my provincial capital. I live in a tiny village of about 36 people, but I work in a capital with around 45,000 people. It's a quiet place, a lot of civil servants, farmers, shopkeepers, bankers, what you would expect in a mainly agricultural part of the country. I stopped at the tobacco shop to buy some breath mints, and though I was wearing a mask which had just been made obligatory, I did what I always did, walked right into the shop. The lady who was buying cigarettes at the counter looked at me aghast and stepped back as if I had fried egg on my forehead. The guy behind the counter looked up and waved at me to leave the shop. I was unaware, had not bothered to read the little poster on the open door that only one customer was allowed inside at a time. I was embarrassed and apologized for my behavior, explaining that I had just that day made my first excursion out of my home after three months of glorious shelter in place. I really should have known better. My sister-in-law, who works in a butcher's shop and who has a much more, let's say, relaxed attitude about the pandemic, worked throughout the shutdown. The first few days were uncertain for her. Protocols were not clear. No one really knew what to do. She was a little stressed by being exposed to so many clients. 
My mate and I explained to her that she needed to put a poster in the door and not allow more than one client in the shop at a time. The rest could wait outside with their accumulated microbes. Again, this was before masks were even available to the general public, and everyone and their sister-in-law was leaving droplets and particles and aerosol on any available surface. I talked in an earlier episode about old normal with mask right at the time I returned to my day job. I was a little down back then. I didn't want to go back to work. I didn't want to go back to work for that man, that company. I didn't want to go through the protocols involved in working in the outside world, in the world of COVID-19. Dressing in my open garage, wearing a mask for four hours, washing my hands every time I touch something, not being able to scratch my nose, have a mid-morning coffee break, or even have a bottle of water to drink. Then driving home to take off all of my clothes, again in the garage, hanging them in the sun to kill microbes, taking a shower, dressing again. That's just boring. Today as we drove to work together, my mate and I, I came back to the theme of those people who just had to rush out and have a coffee on a terrace when the state of emergency was lifted here in Spain. I said that in a way I understood a little their anxiety, though I do not share it at all. Just look a moment at my solicitor's office. I work with a woman there named Ava. I've known Ava for several years now, and we have a wonderful professional relationship. She is the woman who takes care of registering and licensing agricultural machinery for me. I prepare all of the dozens of documents, and I'm not exaggerating. There are often dozens of documents just to put a license plate on a combine harvester, and I won't go into header trolleys or other agricultural implements. And she takes them to the Agricultural Department and to the Department of Motor Vehicles and then calls me to come pick up the completed work. I haven't seen Ava since early March. Even when I returned to work, I sent my boss to deliver or pick up documents. More recently, the boss has been distracted, so I've gone myself, and that's where old normal with mask kind of doesn't apply. In the old days, I would enter the offices, several of the other solicitors would greet me by name, I'd sit at Ava's desk, we'd go over the documents I'd brought to have registered, or I'd pick up some she had ready for me. We'd complain together about how bull-headed civil servants could be, and exchange some other pleasantries. I'm not a social guy, think I've mentioned that elsewhere, but I was not at all uncomfortable sharing these brief social professional moments with Ava as I said, makes for a fluid and professional relationship. Now I cannot enter the office. There is an airlock door set up, always has been, which means you open the street door and then there's another door to the reception, leaving a two square meter space between the doors. There is now a chain that blocks the inner door with a sign that says, No Passar. I have to wait for Ava to come to the door, either to hand me the documents I am expecting or to take those I am leaving. This is good. COVID-19 is a social disease, and it is this type of social contact that needs to be managed to manage the disease. As a curious side note, when Ava leaves those documents at the Department of Motor Vehicles, they sit for three days in some empty room, going through their own quarantine. Slows things down even more. Yay! I'm almost out of jute cord I use in the garden. What's more, it's just about time to plant cauliflower, broccoli, and cabbage. 
I'd also like to get a couple of rows of winter spinach in the hotbed this weekend. No problem. I've got an appointment at the pharmacy. Ah, socialized medicine. I pick up my pills at the hospital pharmacy every two months. They cost me nothing. Though through my work contract, both I and my boss contribute money to the overall social health system. Just evil that. I should be free to choose my expensive co-pay health insurance plan that will require me to pay at least 70% of any pills I might need to continue living. And on the way back to the office from the pharmacy, I can stop by the nursery and pick up some plantlings and some seeds, and then maybe stop by the chinos to pick up some jute. But wait. Have to wear a mask. Have to keep the distance. Have to limit the outside contact. Best to just do the pharmacy thing, and then some other day do the nursery thing, then some other day do the chinos. Don't want to expose oneself to too many points of contagion in one day. Better to spread them out, or do an afternoon of intensive rapid-fire errand running. Spur-of-the-moment shopping is out of the question. What I miss a little bit like that coffee on the terrace is being able to be spontaneous. It's not my own choice, but now the least little thing done outside of the safe haven of the home has to be pre-planned in detail. I don't just make a shopping list, I make a by-the-aisle shopping list. I'm in and out of the grocery store in less than 30 minutes. If I need to go to the solicitors, I go straight there, park, walk briskly to the office, avoiding people milling about on the sidewalks. This is a governmental office neighborhood, so there are lots of people wandering from civil service argument to civil service frustration with papers and folders or briefcases. And avoid walking among the tables set out on the sidewalks for people to have those coffees. Then back to the car and directly back to the office, not taking advantage of passing by the office supply shop to pick up some staples. I need to buy a new axe and a wedge for dealing with this winter's firewood. In the old normal, I'd simply have driven out to the big hardware shop on the edge of town and bought those two items, along with wandering the aisles a bit and probably picking up a drill bit or some screws I probably don't need but would be nice to have on hand when I do need them. I need a couple of sacks of cement to do some pre-winter work on the house and the garden wall and the shop wall. I'd have stopped by the supply warehouse on the other edge of town, driving home from work to pick up those two sacks of cement. Any of these shopping excursions now seem to need to be planned, scheduled, can't be spontaneously done. I'm not sure just how exaggerated this behavior is. It is only partially my choice. I often wonder if I, we, are being too extreme in our protocols concerning the pandemic. So many around us are carrying on their lives as if nothing has changed except what they have to wear on their face. People are going to discos and contaminating their friends who then contaminate their families. My boss continues to pretend that wearing the mask is necessary, but he only does so in front of me because he knows that if he did not, I would simply get in my car and drive home. The mechanic I spoke about way back in Old Normal with Mask has not simply stopped wearing the mask. I suppose he puts one on when he drives into town to pick up this or that bearing or tool. It is the law right now. When he is in the shop, when he comes into the office, when he drives the shop van, he does not wear a mask. Why should the boss be surprised that I will not use the shop van to do work errands? Why should he be surprised that I won't do any work errands? From my garage at home, to the office, then back home. I'm not anxious about not being able to spontaneously run my errands. I can get along with planning them for, say, next Tuesday after work, though I will need to pick up the cement before that supplier closes like I do at 1. 
I'm not even sure if I miss that spontaneity. It's kind of the if-you-can't-change-it-why-worry-about-it meme. Today my region, which retreated into so-called phase 2 of restrictions because of a sudden dramatic increase in infections, announced that tomorrow we will be freed from all of those rules set up back in June to gradually bring us to this new normal. Next Monday the kids will be going back to school. We haven't got a Memorial Day holiday right now, so in about 15 days we will know that the uptick in cases will probably be a combination of more freedom to be social and all those snot-faced kiddos sharing their microbes and taking them home with them. Today in my province, there were 55 new cases reported. We're over it. I think what I really miss is the usual invisibility of stupidity. I happily avoid stupid people the best I can. I tune out when someone begins saying stupid things. I look the other way when there is stupid behavior taking place. This often means that I spend my time alone, basking in my own blissful stupidity. COVID-19 seems to have brought the stupid out in a lot of people. I get a panic attack after wearing the mask for five minutes. I can't breathe with that mask on my face. You're infecting yourself with your own microbes. Give me liberty or give me death. I won't wear the mask. I have the right to get sick if I want to. You can't force me to wear a mask. I've got rights. We often hear the argument that those people saying those and other stupid things probably stop at a red light. They probably don't shoplift in stores. They pull over when red lights flash in the rearview mirror and dutifully hand over their driver's license and registration when requested by that authority figure. Most of them wear clothing that generally covers their genitals, boobs, and butts, though in some cases just barely, and in Walmart, sometimes not at all. Yet, when told by the same authorities who create and enforce those rules they follow, that during a period of emergency when there is more uncertainty than certainty, they might just think about someone besides themselves and put on a surgical mask or a cloth mask to limit the number of microbes coming from their mouths and lighting on surfaces or getting into others' mouths, suddenly their rights are being stamped out. That's just stupid. There's no logic to it. It's stupid cherry-picking. This law I'm going to follow, but that one not. Try playing Monopoly or poker with one of those stupid people. I wouldn't. Of course, being stupid is now all the rave. One of the most influential countries on the planet managed to put a stupid man in the chief executive office not once but twice in the past couple of decades. The first one was maybe not stupid, just a little dumb. At least he had intelligent, though misled, and sometimes dangerous people around him helping out. The current one is just plain dumbass stupid, and he admits it by telling us all what a genius he is. Can anyone find me a quote from a real genius highlighting that they are a genius? That's a Google challenge for you all. Please stop thinking about yourselves. Think about those who you socially mix with, your friends, your family, your kids, your elderly relatives. The so-called holidays are right around the corner. You'll all be wanting to sit around a table overflowing with food and argue about politics. You'll want to share eggnog with friends and family at Merry Christmas time. 
Wouldn't you like those gatherings to be safe and with as many of those friends and family as possible? Take care of those people first. You won't need to take care of yourself because all those people should be including you in their take care of others list. I guess I really should stop being lazy and do that background research on the history of modern graded education for that episode that I've been avoiding writing for a couple of weeks now. Yep, we'll get to that. Promise. Or maybe something more on working from home? Yep, we'll give it a try. Cheers. You're listening to Radio Revels.